You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. When Nicole Sandler sits down to do her show, she's the producer, booking the guests, pulling the audio, planning the show, the engineer, running the controls, troubleshooting any problems, playing the sounds, calling the guests, and she's the webmaster, writing the blog, posting the podcast, maintaining the website, not to mention the host, interviewing the guests, explaining the issues, giving opinions, and calling out the bad guys, and then you get the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com. Welcome to a Monday. You know, it's uh, it's supposed to be a busy week, but it was supposed to start getting busy today. Uh, I'll update you on all that. See, the bottom line is the Dominion versus Fox lawsuit trial was supposed to start today. And then we got word late yesterday that it's been postponed today. And the 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 the. The buzz on the street is that uh, Fox wants to settle. You think? Um, Hopefully, uh, Dominion will say, (laughs) you'll get your day in court. Let let everybody hear what you did, and then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. Anyway, it is Monday, um, uh, and we're going to just jump right in because it's another Marcy Monday as in Marcy Wheeler. Yeah, with so much going on, I thought we'd get ahead of everything, sort of set the stage, and then as the next few weeks uh, transpire, we can call on Marcy again to sort of um, try to understand understand what's happening. So um, with no further ado, and keeping our fingers cr- crossed with the magic of video tape, or it's not even tape, with the magic of digital video, Uh, we bring in Marcy Wheeler. It's been a few weeks, and I'm always thrilled to welcome Marcy Wheeler back to the show. Now, Marcy lives in Ireland these days, so you just had a visit from President Biden. Um, What happened? How did the country react? I I mean, I didn't go near it, having covered things like that in the States. I was like, I really don't need it. But um, I'm sure everyone saw the footage from Ballina in Mayo, right? Teeny Mm -hmm. town, 10,000 people, looked like Disney Castle. Um, I do know that the Democrats abroad had sent out tickets to that event. So it was mobbed, both kinds of flags. 
I, I was raised Irish American. That that stuff really, really works. Um, and and Republicans started panicking after it, not least like uh, Sean Hannity panicked. And uh, I think it's not surprising that Sean Hannity panicked because his people, like conservative Irish Catholic Americans, are the kind of people that that show will matter a lot to. So, you know, he had a great time. It was I, Ireland loves its Irish American presidents. I had like days before Biden came, I had stopped off at the Barack Obama Circle K. <laughs> what is what is probably the largest rest stop in the country? It's it's between here and Dublin and it's just nuts. It's crazy. But uh but you know after everyone forgets Barack Obama, Irish American ancestors, he's actually from the same county my spouse right. is from. Right. So they made, you know, they took this teeny tiny town, made, turned it into a rest stop. It feels like you're in New Jersey, but uh, <laughs> Ireland loves its Irish American presidents. Uh, you get shrines to this all over the, and so we're going to have Biden. I mean, the, the town in Ballina up in Mayo, where he's from, that's like this really remote part of the country. Um, but there's beautiful stuff up there. So I hope to heck that people don't start going up there because of Biden, because it'll, you know, it'll ruin it. Right. Oh, well, you know, um, and he is, this is so perfect for him because he's always been, uh, he wears his Irish uh, descent, his Irish uh, heritage uh, very proudly. And so it, it, it played nicely over here too. Good for him. You know, it's nice. Yes. Good. And it's nice to have those kind of stories every once, even though it smacks of um, like, really uh, at a time when things are so crazy in the world, but you know, it's a good diversion from the crazy, I think. And look, I mean, it was for an event. It was for the anniversary of the Northern Ireland Peace Accord. Yep. And that is an important success story. You know, like when I moved here and I said this, when I moved here, I was moving from Michigan, from like, you know, middle brow America to Ireland conscious of the fact that I was moving from a place where political violence was on the increase to a place where it's still here. Uh, particularly in the north, but it's just far less prevalent um, because of because of those efforts. And so I think that that's a lesson that, you know, we should look at and that Biden, uh, I think, correctly uh, celebrated. Good. Definitely. And and so that brings us to today. I guess the president's, <laughs> you know, back and things are just as dysfunctional as always. Although today we're to full disclosure, we're taping this Monday morning because of the time difference. And today we were supposed to have the uh, the beginning of the Domin- of the trial and the Dominion lawsuit against Fox, not news. And we found out late last night that it's been postponed a day. Now, we know that they hadn't finished uh, seating a jury yet, but the word is that there's a, a settlement talks going on today. Well, we'll see what really happens. Um, you know, the judge certainly didn't say... That's why he delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some late disclosures last week that really pissed off the judge. I mean, it was just last week that Fox finally admitted that Rupert is part of the Fox News executive suite in addition to the Fox Corporation. And so I think that um, that sort of gave Dominion some extra pull at the last minute. But we'll see. I mean... You know, um, Matt Gertz, the good Matt, right. not Matt Gates. The bad um, Matt. He's the one from he's Media the Matters, one right? From Media Matters, yeah. And he pointed out as soon as this came out, he's like, "Look, you know, Dominion, do what you need to do, but remember that Seth Rich's family 
got Fox to settle. Uh, Fox settled earlier in that case. They settled before Hannity would have had to sit for a deposition, whereas in this case, Hannity already had to. But um, but then they went back and just coded their attacks on Seth Rich on air more than they had. So we'll see what comes out of it. I mean, right. The, so the Dominion- attacks continued, just not necessarily by name. So, right. you know, Dominion to settle at this point uh, although a lot of the, the damaging material has already been released. But to settle at this point, I would think they'd have to get some really good assurances on public apologies and going forward what they could and couldn't say or do. And it, it uh, I, as a as a um, as an observer, it seems far fetched. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think that there are a couple of things that Fox is very sensitive about. One is uh um, Dominion was going to be able to put Rupert on the stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, a second one is, as I said, there were last minute disclosures that I think strengthened Dominion's hands. Um, but then a couple of people have started chattering about how this comes just as Fox is, is negotiating its cable pricing, which is where it makes its profit. <laughs> and uh, whatever happens this may strengthen the hand of cable providers to say, why should I pay twice as much for you when you just admitted that you don't provide news? Um, Fox also this morning bought a full page ad in the New York Times with kind of a jerry-rigged poll saying everyone trusts us, but they only asked people who are Fox viewers, (laughs) who do you trust the most? And guess what? They all said Fox. So um, Fox stands to, I mean, it's an ideology at this point. It's not a news station. Mm -hmm. And I think that... Mm. If it's, you know, and one more thing that happened is that Trump on his little failed social media company, his social media platform, um, made an attack on Fox and said, Fox, if you had just continued, he didn't say this, Fox, if you had just continued to lie about me winning, you wouldn't be in this legal trouble that you're in. Um, And all of those things, I, I think, speak to the to the position Fox is in, which is that no matter how this goes, they could be in a position where their viewers begin, finally, the truth begins to leak through. Finally, you know, if, if Sean Hannity has to go on TV and say it was all a lie, you know, everything mm-hmm. we said to you, I, you know, he would probably say it like this, right? Or, right. Or, or if Tucker Carlson had to go on air and say, you know, I hate Donald Trump. And Passionately. Donald Trump is most destructive. <laughs> yeah. um, then that would, that would fry the little brains of little Fox viewers. Um, and, and no one knows what would happen if that happened. I mean, like when, when people lose their ideology, there's no telling what they'll do. I mean, they could just go to Newsmax, which is what Fox was trying to stave off in the first place, but they could just, uh, you know, they could turn in on themselves or they could lash out. No one knows what's going to happen when maggots, when their ideology begins to crumble. And I think it's at a very, uh, it's a very fragile place right now. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, look, um, I hope that dominion is just going through the motions today and doing what they have to do, but, I hope they don't settle because so much is at stake here. And if Fox is allowed to keep going unfettered the way they've been, calling themselves news, but disseminating made up shit, um, I, I think I put a big portion of the blame of the deterioration of our society on Fox for putting well, out information. Because, you know, like um, just so 
also today. There's a lot of also todays. Um, also today, the um, Jim Jordan is doing his stunt hearing in New York to try and build pressure on Alvin Bragg. Yeah. And with New York Times, New York Times has done at least two stories about this stunt hearing. It's a hearing where they're supposed to go up to big black New York City and complain about big black New York City's crime rate. And of course, Ohio's crime rate is worse than New York City's. That's right. Um, so is Kentucky. So is where all these cr- white cracker men are from. And um, they, uh, they, it, it, you know, it, the reason why Jim Jordan can get away with these stunts is because the only one he has to play to is Fox. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to like it doesn't matter. And so New York Times should at least call him out on it. But it doesn't matter what, you know, CNN reports about this or what ABC reports about this, because those people aren't Jim Jordan's voters. The right. People who are Jim Jordan's voters are the ones who watch Fox News. And so the fact that this is going to play well on Fox News, regardless of how embarrassing it is for Jim Jordan, and it could very well be embarrassing for him, um, you know, it's it, it doesn't matter. Like they're in such a bubble that that uh, the fact that they just spew BS over and over and over doesn't seep through to the people who keep putting them in office and then they, you know, jerry rig everything. And so, yeah, I agree with you. And, and it, you know, and, and Fox has not been in this fragile position for a while. And then there's Smartmatic coming right down. I the know. And Smartmatic is asking, I don't know the specifics of the case, but the damages they're suing for are higher. It, it, Dominion was like 1.6 billion. Smartmatic is over two billion so yeah and it's not even the amount that matters but like they'll be able to piggyback up all the stuff that dominion said um and then somebody is going to come down the pike and say like you know uh uh, ruby freeman can come down the pike and say you know you guys did the same to us and then it's gonna it's gonna snowball these kinds of things but we don't know what's gonna come of it right Right. we don't know where it all heads right I I, i so want to hear you know, Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingraham and 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 uh, what's her name? Judge Janine have to go on the TV and say, you know what? We pushed false information. We I knowingly see Rupert having to go on the TV and saying that I yeah. want to see Rupert. I mean, you know, Rupert said that he knew it was wrong and said that they would have no credibility if they continue to make these false claims. And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so we'll have to wait at least one more day to find out what happens here. As the soap opera goes, the world turns and we wait. Um, but it should be. Uh, do Is this is this trial supposed to be televised? Do you know? No, um, nope. No, it's got really bad media access. And on that note, I'm going to do a pitch today. Uh, As we speak, Zach Real, one of the one of the accused Proud Boy leaders is on the stand testifying. And because the courthouse screwed up last week and failed to seal a conference, they left the media feed on and failed to seal a conference. um, They've cut off the media room. So this is one of the most important parts, one of the most important parts of testimony of one of the most important trials since January 6th and uh, and the judge in the case. And look, I mean, there are real concerns about safety. Like Mm -hmm. what what happened was um, this probable homeless guy started um, following around jurors. Oh, my God. And they were concerned. They were like, this is weird. He keeps asking about my jury service. And they started talking among themselves. And 
it, it is believed that this person is just unhoused and was spending his days in the courthouse. Okay. But uh, as people were covering it and they were like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm like, you can say it's no big deal. Except Enrique Tapio was part of a judge tampering scandal, you know, just a few years ago in this courthouse. And so you can't say it's no big deal because uh, these people have been involved in this kind of, I mean, the witness tampering uh, in, in the Randy Credico charge came from Roger Stone's buddies, the Proud Boys. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, you just simply can't say that this is no big deal. You can't do it. Yeah. And, and there's this, this feeds into other things that are on the list. If we have time to get to today, there is a lot of also today and also this week and also coming <laughs> up. So, Marcy Wheeler, you know what? Um, but the big story, I guess, that we should talk about is another, and we'll get to all this stuff, I hope, um, <laughs> another major document leak dump that in this time, it was a bunch of um, very classified documents from the Pentagon. And um, it, it, give us the basics of this story, if you would. Just uh, the, where they found the guy, a kid, basically in a, in a ch- gaming chat room on Discord, Jack Teixeira, right? Yeah. So uh, really just about a week and a half ago, um, these, as you said, they're from the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Most of them, some of them are CIA as well. These documents started showing up on Telegram and uh, and Twitter and panic set off. Uh, multiple people chased that back to, first of all, this this um, disinformation uh, anti-Ukrainian podcast out of Washington, Oregon or someplace, another military person, and then chase back to these Discord servers um, that are gamers. And as you said, Jack Teixeira is the guy who was arrested on Friday, um, and he works for the Air National Guard and intelligence. He's like an IT for the intelligence function of the Air National Guard in in Massachusetts. And we don't know yet how much of the stuff that he allegedly leaked he had legitimate access to, how much he wrote some kind of script to get access to, whether he used somebody else's uh, passwords to get access to some of it. We don't know that yet. And I think people are really jumping the gun on saying, oh, how come this 21-year-old owed access to everything? We don't know yet that he had access to all of it. He did have access to the classified document system. Okay. All right. So um, before we go any further with this, I need to share with you something that just popped up on Friday. There's a family, you know, during the pandemic, I, I, I mined the interwebs for fun content and found a lot of very creative people around the world um, sharing themselves and their talents with the world. Well, one of those is this family in Kent in the UK, the Marsh family. And they started with these fun parodies during lockdown. And they've grown. It's been now probably four, three or four years since I first found them. And they do a lot of parody songs as a family on things happening in the news. And lately they've taken up a lot of um, uh, British, um, uh, you know, political scandals and stuff and, and had fun with them in song. Well, they dropped this one on Friday. And I thought of you, it's like knowing we were going to talk today. I just had to share it with you. So enjoy the Marsh family. They're my favorites. And uh, you know the song by Jet, Are You Going to Be My Girl? Well, they took it on.
get my hand to come with me because you shared some files that were really very classified. See, I look surprised that it really wasn't all the prize. Secrets in the mix. Now it don't seem funny when you get locked up, does it, buddy? Big chap rooms, teenage death. He just leaves you as what a bear. Well, you should be. Plays like all three. But you are set to Pentagon. Yeah. I know you pray. So one, two, three, say what kind of military requires the FBI to go looking for a cyber spy. Or maybe not a spy, just some really clumsy intel guy. Oh, they should fix who gets to see the pics. Never mind AI, we should worry about the pizza guy. Big shot out from here uh the marsh family <laughs> they're quite brilliant <laughs> are the other plans secure <laughs> uh, pretty cool huh i i love this family they do amazing they're so talented and we've watched these little kids grow I up say, i haven't seen them they've grown up i haven't seen them since since lockdown i don't think yes and they've grown up and they're get they get more and more talented and creative <laughs> i saw that it's like okay this is so Gotta good. use that. Gotta work that in. Yes. Are the other plans secure? Okay. So, are the other plans secure? What the? How does this happen? Do we know? We don't know. We don't know yet, and we'll find out more. One thing that did happen, though, is so uh, this dude Tashera had this. He had a Discord server that he was running, and he will get into why you know what we know about why he leaked and what might be going on there. But anyway, he started sharing classified information last December, first transcribed information and then pictures of these files on the website. And then the other kids in the website made their own copies. So a lot of like there were maybe 20 that had been loaded that had made it all the way to Twitter or something. 
But uh, when Washington Post went to one of the, what I call them, the Discord kids, when Mm -hmm. uh, Washington Post went to a couple of the Discord kids and they got their own set of like hundreds of these. And so Washington Post is is reporting these all out um, like you've seen in earlier big leaks as they're mining them for the news value that you can that you can see. Um, And so there are a lot of false claims about the role of Washington Post and New York Times and Bellingcat and finding Teixeira. The reality is that Washington, that that the FBI served a subpoena on Discord and Discord um, came back, you know, I I think it was probably a couple of rounds of subpoenas with Discord, but Discord eventually said, here's your server, um, the one that Teixeira set up, and he had registered it in his own name, own address, um, the underlying finances, his own finances. So, and and the kids knew that his name was Jack. They knew he was in the military. They knew he was in Massachusetts. So it was a dead ringer. And so, by the time the New York Times identified this guy on Friday, um, FBI already knew who they knew mm-hmm. who he was. Uh, they may not, you know. I think they might have waited on arresting him for a few days, if not for. I mean, literally, what happened was New York Times shows up. They do they they do a door knock on first his uh, stepfather's house. Stepfather says no, he's or his father's house. And then they go across town to mom's house and say, "Is he here?" No. They walk. They go away. They see the kid's truck show up. Then they go back to the house and say, "Can we talk to him?" And mom and stepdad said, uh, "We think he needs a lawyer. He we don't, he doesn't need to talk to New York Times." And as New York Times was there, then the surveillance plane, there was a surveillance Ooh. plane going the whole time. New York Times, I mean, this is why it's such garbage that people like Glenn Greenwald are claiming that the New York Times outed this guy. Um, as they were there, there was a surveillance plane overhead, and then the FBI came in with lots of armory and uh, and they arrested the guy and then did a search. And, um, and we'll see, you know, it's all going to play out. It sounds like they're probably going to prosecute him in EDVA, which is, um, so Alexandria, which is the um, district for the Pentagon, which is a lot harsher to be treated in for a leaker. Um, but we don't know, like Washington Post, which has an incentive to kind of diminish the really sordid details of this, or they're like, oh, he's just got just showing off to his buddies. But we don't know that. Like mm-hmm. they downplayed the degree to which the original server was a both racist and b pro Russian rather than just focused on the Russian invasion. And that means that it would have been more of a target for people who track these things, for people who, you know, um, we didn't see any, we didn't see any signs um, for people who know who Matt Tate is, uh, otherwise known as Pawn All the Things. Um, He's a former GCHQ guy, and he did this analysis of what the documents he's seen so far is the the damage that they would do. And he was like, we, if, if Russia had gotten these Ukrainian documents early on, it would have been, it would have led to huge catastrophe on the part of the Ukrainians. And, you know, as he said, like the, they may not have intended to, uh, tar- to target, to take out Ukrainians by posting these, but he didn't care. He didn't, you know, he, he, um, and then he said, then there's some open source stuff, which is not that sensitive. Then there's some foreign, foreign intelligence stuff. And he's like, at least one classified source has been burned and probably a number of, of SIGINT, uh, targeting sites have been burned. So that's wow. the kinds of things, that's the kind of damage that these documents have done. Um, and that's assuming that 
that some intelligence service didn't get advance notice. You know, so for example, and I'll give you an example. I wrote a post last sometime Friday or whatever, um, and I talked about what we know about past dump leaks. And I responded to Spencer Ackerman, who kind of completely misrepresented the Vault 7 the Vault 7 leaks, which were CIA's hacking tools. And the guy who was convicted of that in at, at a time when he was trying to kind of exculpate himself, he was trying to, you know, claim that he wasn't the hacker, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a letter to his cousin and he said, imagine if Russia had gotten these documents nine months ago when they were stolen. Imagine if they had, and they're like, Russia would have just used them to reverse engineer all of the intelligence operations that the U.S. had done in Russia. Um, And in that period, by the way, Russia arrested four or five guys for treason for spying with CIA. So it's not implausible that that um, Josh Schulte got those guys taken out. But um, this is the thing is, you know, Intelligence service has been targeting these kinds of chat rooms for at least a decade. And this is the kind of thing they're good at finding. And this is the kind of thing that they will spend SIGINT finding when the FBI and DOD aren't allowed to do the same kind of scans. And so if some intelligence service did find those kids early, then they've had two, three months to kind of start that reverse engineering period before the, uh, before the, before DOD or the, or the CIA start to get to reverse engineer. So those are the stakes. Like a lot of people and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, nothing has happened and we wouldn't, no, we don't know. Right. And here's the thing, Marcy Wheeler, if you would lay out that you're, you're, you're referring to this and, and others like it as leak dumps. Well, we've seen these leak dumps sort of, um, escalate over the years there have been more of them but some are perceived as good leaks and others bad leaks so it's like differentiating i guess between a good witch and a bad witch how do how do how do you how do you distinguish what's good and what's bad and you, you also discern the difference between people knowledgeable about what they're leaking and those like this kid who apparently didn't have a clue what they're talking about yeah, I mean, here's the thing is um, everyone says Dan Ellsberg was a hero, and he was. Mm-hmm. But he was also a Ph.D. who had worked on the actual study that he leaked. And um, around WikiLeaks culture, you see this creation of, of a whistleblower uh, hero, the you know Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning and Daniel Hale. Um, and that's how people like Spencer Ackerman come to misunderstand that Vault 7, which was first released on WikiLeaks, was some good and well-intentioned leak. It wasn't. It was some guy. It was some narcissist guy who was pissed off that his desk got moved. I kid you not. That is the motive for him stealing CIA's hacking tools and burning CIA to the ground. Um, he was just really pissed off that his desk was moved. And I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. Just really pissed off his wow. desk was moved. And so, and so, but here's the thing is all the people I've described um, with the somewhat exception of Daniel Hale, who leaked some drone documents, they leaked stuff that they were not personally working on. Right. Like Edward Snowden hadn't read all those files before right. he took them. And, it, you know, having been inside in limited form, having been inside the Snowden archives, I will tell you that there is a whole bunch in there that really isn't in the there's no imaginable public 
use to releasing mm. them. And mm-hmm. what he did was he took them out of a secure place and gave them to people like Glenn Greenwald, who don't, at that time didn't have very good operational security. And so, again, we don't know whether some intelligence uh, agencies managed to go steal them from Glenn. Um, you know, Chelsea Manning, I think we can all agree, didn't didn't hadn't read the entire state cables hadn't you know she wasn't in afghanistan but she released the afghan logs as well as the iraq logs and so you've got people who aren't doing an assessment of the of the damage that these documents will do when they release them right um and and they come out in bulk and uh, journalists who cover them, and this is why I mentioned Washington Post kind of downplaying the racism of the of the channel and downplaying the pro-Russian t- uh, t- t- taint of, uh, tilt of the of the Discord server. It's like you know, journalists tell themselves stories about how uh, they're not implicated in this intelligence leak by reporting on them, and usually they're not. But uh, but I think that that's partly a fiction that they tell themselves to say, like, they don't know. They don't know whether some Russian spy or Chinese spy was in that Discord channel pretending to be a 12 year old right. from, you know, Plymouth, Massachusetts or something. And so they don't know whether these files were were deliberately cultivated out of this guy who obviously was desperate for some kind of. Um, adulation. And so, you know, ultimately it often comes down to these kind of um, uh, usually men, uh, but not always, but usually men in their twenties who need some kind of ego boost and they steal these documents and, and, you know, information is power and this is their way to, to wield information. Um, And that's a separate question from, are we learning important things from the release of these documents? And I think um, that those need, we need to remember this, you know, we need, and and we need to remember like we, the first versions of these that were made public were doctored and Tucker Carlson and Glenn Greenwald are still adhering to the doctored version. They're still showing like they were, they were doctored to show that there were far more Ukrainian casualties than Russian casualties. And there's an entire strand of propagandists who, who treat it as if it's true, even though, even though the alteration is, is blatantly obvious. Um, Tucker Carlson also took one that said there were special forces people in Ukraine, some of whom are there to make sure that the weapons that the U.S. gives to Ukraine are not misused. Right. So they're there for to prevent corruption. And um, he and Glenn Greenwald have flipped it and said, oh, there's oh. this massive military military presence of like 20 um, <laughs> massive military presence of in Ukraine that Joe Biden is lying to us about. And so, I mean, that's another thing we've learned over 20 years of these of these um, dump leaks is that. Um, it's very easy. The Twitter files are another example. It's very easy to take documents and wave them around and say, these documents say X. And no one reads the documents closely enough to say, no, actually, they, they say, don't say that at all. They right. say J. And, you know, you like this is in the public realm already. I mean, like some of this stuff, like the first ones, the Ukrainian ones, a lot of people that are experts in that field were like, you know, I, I feel like. This is a testament to the fact that because OSINT, because uh, uh, because open open source intelligence has gotten so good, we are actually following the Ukraine war in real time in a way that um, was harder to do for the Iraq war. Um, not impossible, but just harder to do. Uh, and so, there, the, you know, on the Ukraine stuff, 
the details were important and damaging and some of the um, collection methods were important and damaging. But uh, thus far, we haven't learned any really big news on the Ukraine stuff. Um, it's some of the other things that I think, um, like uh, Washington Post posted picture of the surveillance balloons from from China. And that's probably not something DOD really wanted, hmm. uh, just because, you know, it showed that DOD was tracking these balloons, which we knew in real time. Right. It shows, you know, that they it, it, it shows these earlier instances of balloons, which tells China that we know that DOD followed them, but it also shows that DOD knew that the kinds of stuff they were collecting and DOD let them go that time. I think probably the one that they blew up, I think because they were trying to ascertain everything else that was collecting. Um, but you know, that's going to be blown out of, this is another one that is going to be blown out of control. And so I think that the problem, documents can be incredibly valuable, but they, they, they're routinely misused and routinely, um, I, I, the, they're complex. And I think, you know, maybe the fact that Teixeira doesn't make any claims of being a whistleblower will give us an opportunity to step back and say, what does it mean when these dumps come out? What's the responsible way of dealing with them? Right, right. And and um, so there, there, there's a lot there that we still don't know. And we'll see how it all shakes out. But it, Marcy Willer, you mentioned in there, you know, other dumps and, and the Twitter files and Maddie dick pics. Well, since we last spoke, there have been developments there as well, including... Uh, a, a great interview by Mehdi Hassan over on at MSNBC of Matt Taibbi, where he just he didn't have any answers. He couldn't defend what he's been saying and doing. Um, what did you take out of that interview? I, I thought it was astounding. Yeah, I watched it more than once. Um, some of the things that Mehdi pointed out were things that I, you know, like uh, he he in a part that wasn't circulated as much on Twitter as, as others. So watch the full interview because uh-huh. it's, um, but like in a part that wasn't one of the clips that Maddie circulated on Twitter, um, he said to Maddie, he was like, well, either you're incompetent or you should have told viewers and didn't know that the, that the URLs from Hunter Biden's dick, right? Like these were non-consensual dick pics that were taken down. Uh, violations of the Twitter terms of service on right. two levels. One is the non-consensual dick pics, but second, uh, at least some of them were part of a campaign by Steve Bannon's buddy, Guo Wing Wei. Um, and, and Maddie was like, which are you, incompetent or uh, failed to disclose? And, you know, Maddie stammers and stammers and stammers and insists that he knew they were about dick pics, which, he, you know, he didn't. Um, and, and, it has been clear since day one that that was true. And, and Maddie never came around and said, like, um, there was a Mother Jones reporter who asked him in that first week, the one who broke the Guo and Wee side of it, um, who asked him, did you know that these were dick pics? And Maddie was like, refused to answer. And so now on TV, months later, he's like, oh, of course I knew. And, and um, you know, there are multiple instances of this where I've been pointing out things that like even Maddie's own client, like, you know, he'll put something in a in a screen cap and then his caption of the screen cap completely conflicts with it. And that's one of the key things that Maddie caught him in was him altering the original document to fit his understanding of the relationship between CISA, which is a DHS entity, which is not law enforcement, even though Maddie has told his readers that a million times um and this effort from stanford to um 
minimize misinformation and disinformation, but also to track it. Um, and, and Maddie got the numbers on tracking wrong and it all boils down to, I mean, um, and finally got me to read the report from Stanford and it all boils what, what Maddie is furious about and what the people who backed Maddie are furious about and Elmo. And, you know, there's a Republican who is a former Ben Carson staffer who um, got, got promoted at the state department. And it's based on those, that last minute promotion that he gets to claim to be an expert about stuff that he's literally just making shit up about. But like what they're pissed about is that this report tracked the amount of disinformation in the 2020 election and where it came from. And they show that overwhelmingly the disinformation was Trump related disinformation. And they Mm -hmm. put up a list of the 20, you know, mass disinformation spreaders and Trump was on there. Trump Jr. was on there. Eric was on there. This guy, Mike Roman, that you haven't heard about, but you likely hear about more once charges are filed in January 6th. Um, Jack Posobiec was on there. Um, what's his name? The turning points, Charlie Kirk oh, was Charlie on there. Kirk, you know? yeah. So right. it was all these propagandists who, uh, who basically created January 6th and, and, and what Maddie, he may not understand this. I actually believe that he doesn't understand a lot of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. Cause he's just, you know, he kept, when, when Maddie had, had confronted him, he's like, well, I'll go back to my source. And Maddie was like, just read the document, right? Like, don't go to your source, <laughs> read the document. Mm-hmm. And then later his likely source, this guy, Mike Benz, he used to be at the state department. who's was like, no, no, uh, Maddie's wrong. It's like, no, Maddie's not wrong. You know, you're wrong and you're lying to your viewers. And um, he's my, now my new favorite follow. Cause he's just a bad propagandist and no one, you know, like, you know, he has there hasn't been a lot of attention to the fact that he's been feeding this garbage to to Maddie dick pics and Maddie's just been vomiting it up anyway so he had to admit that several of the things he said and said by the way under oath to the house judiciary committee um were not right um but then in addition this was happening just as substack turned on their well, new competitor yeah. to twitter and um and Elmo, for reasons that are yet not yet 100% clear, shut down Substack for like a day and a half. And and Maddie, of course, because that's his bread and butter, he's like, oh, please turn me back on. Please turn me back on. And, um, and I pointed out in the 24 hours that Elmo had shut down Substack, that was as long as Twitter shut down the original Hunter Hunter Biden laptop story. Ah. And so Elmo had cut, cut, had cut off all Substack stories about the Hunter Biden laptop, including, uh, you know, a bunch, but one in particular that Maddie did back in October 2020, some that, you know, showed what a propaganda campaign it was. I mean, all of that was shut off the same amount of time that is the original sin, if you believe these right wingers. Um, so it's it, that was hilarious. And I couldn't stop laughing. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. The effort to turn Twitter back into basically a machine for fascism continues unabated. I mean, oh, without Elmo, a doubt. But, yes. but you mentioned, OK, so in the midst of all this, so so Substack started with its notes feature, which which Elmo, I guess, considers a direct threat to Twitter. So he said no more links from Twitter to any Substack you know, newsletters or anything else, no Substack on Twitter. So Maddie Dickpicks, who's now moved his entire being over to Substack, says, well, that's how I make my money. So he leaves Twitter? 
He leaves Twitter and, and where is he now? He's at True Social. No. Yeah. Oh he started my. posting at True, oh. True Social. Oh my God. That goes full circle. Wow. I didn't I didn't know that development. How interesting. Yeah, it's, just, it's 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 item after item. But but again, I, I wanna lose sight of the fact that as this happened, Elmo shut off the API, shut down the way in which you can get the API. And, and that had the effect of making Twitter data unavailable to researchers. So the same people at Stanford and University of Washington who said, here's how much propaganda Trump spread in advance of the insurrection based off data that Twitter had given them, that's no longer going to be available. So we're no longer going to be able to measure uh, objectively from the outside the effect of the propaganda that that Elmo has led onto Twitter. And then we, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a lot more porn on Twitter. But we also like there are ways to game Twitter, the new blue check on Twitter to make sure the propaganda goes especially viral. Um, the, there also, since I was last on, was the, the verdict in the Douglas Mackey case. Yes, I was going to ask Also your that. neighbor in Florida. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and by the way, one last thing on Twitter is allegedly with this new Twitter, the Twitter blue check was originally, it just simply verified that the person who owned the account was actually the person tweeting. That's what the blue check was doesn't cost anything didn't cost anything well now those of us with these legacy blue checks that were free um are allegedly going away as of thursday the 20th that's it they'll disappear and the other blue checks will be in their place which all they mean is that somebody paid to have a blue check which doesn't mean anything you could be anybody at all operating with a blue check it's no longer a verification but it gets your message amplified Right, right, right. But uh, but the Douglas Mackey case actually is a Twitter story. Okay, yes. The Douglas Mackey is a guy who in 2016, um, he was the troll king in 2016, the anti-Hillary troll king. He was very popular, very influential. And uh, in early November 2016, he sent out some memes that basically said, hey, Hillary, text, you know, I'm with her, text your vote to count and it was targeted towards black and latino hillary supporters and uh after many years they charged him they charged him in 2021 most of the investigation was done under under uh, bill barr the u.s attorney who took credit for it was a guy who was one of bill barr's top aides um but so he he went to trial a couple weeks ago and was found guilty on one count of conspiracy to basically it's the klu klux klan act Right. Um, the same law that was used against those other trolls with uh, uh, forgetting the, the kids who did not the kids the um, they did the robocalls also targeted to black people in New York. And they were they were also uh, prosecuted in the Ku Klux Klan Act. But basically what DOJ is doing is saying, like, if you are going to trick people out of their right to vote, then we're going to come after you under the Ku Klux Klan Act. And and this is now the second case where it's been successful, at least civil. The first was civil. This one is is criminal. And um, the more fascinating thing is I I I spent the last week reading the transcripts and they are fascinating because what they reveal is that the trolling effort that in 2016 was clearly a tidal wave. We all saw it as a tidal wave in real time, but it just seemed and we, you know, we blamed Russia for some of it. Mm -hmm. um, and Douglas Mackey has 
ties to people who have ties to Russia. Like um, Weave is one of the people who was in his group who, you know, was, I think, already in Ukraine or something. But um, but it uh, um, it it was incredibly professional. Mm-hmm. Like they came in on VPNs, so you couldn't you couldn't um, you couldn't track it, and they talked about the ways in which they meant to fuck with your psychology. They they talked about how to make people more vulnerable to disinformation. They talked about how disinformation spreads more quickly. They talked, I mean, there's this chilling um, exchange with the cooperating witness whose name is Microchip. Who, right. Uh, and he, you know, and he described, yes, we knew there was nothing to the John Podesta files. We knew there was nothing there, but we knew if we could create a controversy over it, it would suck the air out of the Hillary campaign. And we didn't care. We didn't care that we were making shit up. We just did it and it worked. And and so, you know, these th- these things in conjunction, like what happened with Maddie Dick Picks, what Elmo is doing in real time, the, the Dominion case, I mean, what we're seeing is that the entire Trump effort was built from the start on very scientific disinformation mm-hmm. and very cynical disinformation. And, uh, you know, 2016, it was these kids in, tr- in troll rooms who did it very explicitly and, and successfully in 2020. It was massive and it was all Trump branded. And now in 2024, Elmo wants to make it easier and far easier for that precisely. I mean, because even Douglas Mackey lost his account twice in the wow. the election. Microchip lost it routinely. Like he lost it over and over and over and over again. Um, so these are people who Twitter did shut down or tried to shut down in 2016, who Elmo has now embraced, welcomed back, explicitly said, please come back and drive traffic on my site. And so that's my takeaway from the last however many weeks since we last saw each other is that like that um, there is a concerted effort to make politics to ensure that the kind of disinformation that worked in 2016 and that led to the insurrection in 2020 uh, will will go on unfettered in 2024. That's where we're headed. It, it's all like this disinformation bomb. And and if if the Dominion case does, hopefully, knocking on wood laminate, go to trial tomorrow, maybe some of that web of deceit and lies might start disintegrating. That's what we need because it, it seems like too many people, not only in this country but around the world, are buying into the bullshit. And that's, you know, and nobody's stopping the lies. So if that, I think, would be a big step in in shutting it down. Yeah, I mean, you need to fix both the algorithmic virality of this and you need to fix Fox. Hmm. Those you you can't just fix one. Um, But if you fix both of them, then I think, you know, you see a withering of the fascist movement in this country or or at least a disempowerment of the fascist movement in this country, uh, which, you know, since 2016 has really been empowered by all of this disinformation. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we see that it's like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. 
Um, it, and it we all don't did, know. We don't, we don't know. know. I mean, it's right. way too early to say there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But I mean, because as I said, you know, Elmo is very clearly trying to make the world safer for that kind of disinformation. Oh, it's frightening. You know, one more thing you mentioned. We earlier spoke about the Proud Boys trial and how the the feed to the press room is cut off today because, well, a mistake that somebody who was manning the feeds earlier made. It wasn't the fault of the reporters, but security. Um, but there's something else that's coming out of that trial that you wrote about, which is juror intimidation. Um, this is this this is a problem as well in these trials, is it not? Well, um, that is why. That is what the content of the sealed hearing was, that the, that jurors um, were afraid that they were being intimidated. Thus far, you know, th- there are there was another instance in a different trial where some of the witnesses, like um, one of the cops in particular, was harassed as he left the, the courthouse. Um, there are. You know, uh, people complain that they don't know what Merrick Garland is doing or now what Jack Smith is doing. And I think one of the things people need to understand is that there is a tremendous, I mean, Donald Trump, like, I don't even, every time Donald Trump is accused by somebody, you know, he turns one new person into, into, you know, his target. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Marie Ivanovich or Alex Vindman right. or Pete Strzok or anyone else who testified against him. I mean, he relentlessly has turned them into a target and his mob is heavily armed and has a short fuse and he knows what he's doing. Yep. And I think that, um, I mean, remember that after he was searched, Trump made this kind of loose threat and this guy who had been at January 6th was under investigation for his role in January 6th. Another military guy uh, shot up the Cincinnati FBI office and ended up uh, dying in a shootout with cops um, because he wanted to avenge Donald Trump. And there's this undercurrent of witness intimidation and other intimidation. I mean, obviously, we started by talking about Alvin Bragg. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll hear, you know, most of it is coded with race um, because it happens that that three of the prosecutors involved are black. Um, but but um, and then there's the whole, you know, we're going to raise George Soros for random right. anti-Semitism. Well, always, but, um, always. But um, uh I don't know what the answer is to Trump's witness tampering because, you know, eventually, like with with Roger Stone, he stopped uh, when he was credibly looking at being jailed pre-trial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the as it was for Twitter. I mean, Twitter changed the rules so Trump could continue to engage in, in disinformation. And, and that's what led to January 6th. We know that. Uh, and and while judges are trying to lay down the law, right? Trump is going to push it. And it will be a very, like, I don't think, given everything that Trump has done, I think indicting him isn't the hard part. Getting him to trial without demanding that he be detained pre-trial beforehand is going to be the hard part. Especially, you know, he is he is legitimately the leading candidate to be the GOP <laughs> nomination nominee for president. And so how do you tell the man that how do you put social media restrictions on the man 
And if you don't put social media restrictions on the man, how do you prevent him from threatening witnesses, judges, judges, and you know, and, and yeah. he's doing it in the um, in the in the case uh, in New York. Case, yeah. They're all running together. I got to just show you real quick. This is a, a graphic that I photographed yesterday morning on MSNBC, and it shows the, the civil and criminal investigations of Trump. And there you have, OK, hush money indicted, but you have election interference. You have Trump org fraud, classified documents, January 6th, E. Jean Carroll cases. I'm guessing election interference is Georgia, right? I mean, he's got all of these outstanding investigations into him from all these different sources. And they're they've all got to be coming to a head within this next year. So I'd say within the next Three months, yeah. and probably even sooner than that. I mean, that the both the Georgia one and the like the Georgia one seems to be um, waiting on this huge backlog of you know garden variety criminal cases that they need to indict and timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I suspect that Fannie Willis has to respond to this lawsuit that Trump uh, filed to kind of preempt the entire prosecution uh, by May 1. So she, so I wouldn't be surprised if she tried to indict before then just so that it moots that case. But uh, she's also probably trying to present it to the jury, the grand jury at the end of their term, which would be the end of this month, um, so that they can't be intimidated Mm -hmm. so that they're done and they're safe and they're anonymous and they're not being chased down. Um, And in the documents case, you know, the one really big outstanding thing that I know that it's out there is how do they get the rest of the documents back? And I, you know, I would imagine that that's one of the things they're trying to solve, but, you know, last week they were interviewing um, Rick Grinnell, Uh who was Trump's, uh, director of national intelligence. I think I think they actually interviewed both Grinnell and John Ratcliffe about um, a that he did try and get stuff declassified because some of the stuff he took then wasn't declassified. But also, you know, I think it's just an effort to get them on the record to say no, we didn't declassify any of this. But um, point is, there's not much left in the documents case in the stolen documents case. Um, there are parts of January six that are very close, especially if Mike Pence testifies in the next Mm -hmm. couple of weeks. Trump is trying to prevent that. But if Mike Pence testifies, he's the last big witness we know that we're still waiting on. Um, There are January 6th investigations that'll take longer, such as like there's a there's an investigation to into his fraud, into his, um, you know, like fundraising after the election. Raise money for me. I'm going to fix elections and then spent it all on um, not fixing elections. And so that's part of the investigation that probably is not as far along, but they're they're close. They're all close. And and E. Jean Carroll is supposed to happen any minute now. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah, the walls are closing in. And I don't know if you saw when, you know, he got to New York last week for this latest uh, deposition that he that, that apparently he sat for seven hours and, and answered questions. We don't know what, but for seven hours he sat there. Well, when the motorcade was coming into New York, there was a small group of people, loud people, you know, saying, New York hates you. New York hates you. But I don't. Did you see the video of the gathering outside of Trump Tower? On Friday or Thursday night, it was unbelievable. Thousands of people out there chanting, New York hates you, New York hates you. Um, and uh, and then the police started closing in and, and the same crowd started chanting peaceful protest, peaceful protest. Um, 
I, I didn't see it covered anywhere on the news, but I did see the video uh, on the interwebs, and it was quite interesting. New York is not not a good place for Donald Trump these days. No, nope. And I can't imagine Jim Jordan is going to get a, a very different reception there today either. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether he lives to regret this today. Mm. All right. Lots of uh, lots of stuff coming. So uh, <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, Marcy, hopefully you'll come back as things unfold over the next few weeks, because I think, yeah, I think we're getting into crunch time and yes. um, everyone needs to stay safe. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, read her at emptywheel.net. Donate there because she does a real service to us and um, she's listener supported just the way we are. So support because we've got Brandy Buckman, who is covering the Proud Boy trial, and that may be the only way to get coverage is from people like her now. So, wow. And yeah, she was let go by Daily Coast and you picked her up. And so um, thank you. Uh, So, yes, support the independent journalists doing the work that we so depend on, like Marcy Willie. Thank you, Marcy. We'll we'll talk again soon. Awesome to be on. Thank you. Thank you. Marcy Wheeler. Always, uh, always, always great to hear from Marcy because we learn so much, right? It's big info download when Marcy Wheeler is here. Um, We've got great shows coming up all week long. Let me look ahead to um, Thursday. John Perkins is going to be here. Remember Confessions of an Economic Hitman? He just updated it for the third time. Um, uh, and, and we got a bunch of stuff. So tomorrow, Miss Lori Laner will join us in person. Well, on the Zoom, but in person. And um, she does songs. She, you guys are just, many of you just met her for the first, or heard her for the first time. So she'll come, but we'll have an update. We'll find out what's happening with the Dominion lawsuit, with um, <laughs> with everything else. Uh, God, all the news that was delayed today. We'll have that for you tomorrow, too. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. I will see you uh, tomorrow. Bye. Actually, I just wanted to wait until the regular part of the show ended so I can um, upload that to Progressive Voices so they can have it nice and compacted in one piece. A couple more things to tell you. One is I don't have my smoothie today because yesterday... Allison and I went to the beach. We went kayaking. We we had a day. And I took my blend jet too with me. I made up the best smoothie with oh strawberries and blueberries and stuff. It, it, lots of ice. And so it was delicious and I was drinking it on the way up. We we went up to Palm Beach. So um but I left it in her car. So I didn't have a smoothie today. So I am smoothie less. And I'll tell you something. I really, I I know how much I rely on my afternoon smoothie every day. So don't get caught smoothie-less. Get yourself a BlendJet too. And they make wonderful gifts. Mother's Day is right around the corner. So go to BlendJet.com, put in the promo code FEEDME12. You'll get 12% off, free two-day shipping, and you can um, blend your smoothies to your heart's delight. And and have an extra one just in case so you don't get caught like me when you leave the damn thing in your daughter's car. All right. Blendjet.com promo code FEEDME12. Okay. One other quick programming note. I know. Smoothie withdrawal, right? Um, Okay. So one last thing is Wednesday. I'm not going to be here. Either I will record something in advance or I'll put together a fun 
um, best of show for you to listen to on Wednesday because I'm going to see the Indigo Girls Wednesday night. But even better than that, I think... I'm still waiting on confirmation one way or the other, but I think I'm going to be able to sit with them and do an interview before the show. Fingers crossed. So uh, I'm just going to prepare not to be here on Wednesday. Okay. But it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it for all of us. Okay. All right. And then I just booked something really great for Friday. Oh, no, I didn't lose it. I did not, I did, if I lost it, I'd have another one being shipped to me. No, it's just in Allison's car and she's at work. So anyway, um, Friday, there's a book out called Life Worth Living, A Guide to What Matters Most. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's the book is by three professors at Yale. And apparently they teach this course, which is among the most popular on campus. And I think we could all use some of that. What makes a life worth living? I guess we'll find out on Friday. All right. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Oh, long shot. Louis says, I have to look up the Indigo Girls again. It's been a while. Indigo Girls. Damn. They're good. So, yes, I see. I want that book, too. Indigo Girls are awesome. All right, everybody. I will. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful night. Uh, here's the news in just a second. As soon as I get the mouse over there. Okay. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Well, the week begins with a delay. Monday was supposed to mark the beginning of the long-anticipated defamation case between Dominion Voting Systems and Fox Not News. But on Sunday evening came word that it would be postponed by a day. The indications are that Fox is now seeking a settlement. So we wait. In the meantime, Fox has apologized to the judge overseeing that trial after lawyers for the network entered a late stage admission about Rupert Murdoch's role at the company. In a letter to the judge, Eric Davis, the Fox attorney said the situation was a, quote, misunderstanding and that they, quote, understand the court's concerns, apologize and are committed to clear and full communication with the court moving forward. Would have been nice if they had this attitude before they were called out on their lies and deception, but I digress. The judge sanctioned Fox last week after he determined the network had made misrepresentations to the court and had allegedly withheld evidence. And then he asked, what do I do with attorneys that aren't straightforward with me? Before adding that he'd likely appoint a special master to investigate the matter. Stay tuned. There was other late-breaking news on Friday when the Supreme Court issued a temporary motion to hold off on a lower court ruling that would impose harsh restrictions on mifepristone, that commonly used abortion pill that a rogue right-wing judge in Texas decided he had the authority to pull off the market after 20 years of use and FDA approval. Wow. Interestingly, this extension was filed by Supreme Court Associate Justice Samuel Alito and is meant to give the court more time to consider the issue. So Alito's extension will stay in effect until 1159 p.m. Eastern this coming Wednesday. 
Now, Alito didn't do this on his own volition. A judge in Washington state had issued a competing ruling upholding the FDA's approval, thereby throwing the the status of this Texas judge's ruling into question. It's just weird because it was Alito's name on the decision that overturned Roe in the first place. Something doesn't smell right here. But that's the story as it stands now. Stay tuned. So the big guns were out, so to speak, at the NRA convention this weekend in Indiana. Among some of the other ridiculous statements made, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem told an audience that her granddaughter already owns several guns, despite the fact that she's only two years old. Now, Addie, who, you know, soon will need them. I want to reassure you, she already has a shotgun and she already has a rifle. And she soon will need them? That's your fault, lady. Wow. And ew, I don't know what to make of that. And then later on, Noam was joined on stage by NRA CEO Wayne LaPierre, apparently still standing, who falsely claimed the Biden administration, quote, want to take our guns. Oh, please. But I guess that's no worse than the former guy getting up and saying this. I will also create a new tax credit to reimburse any teacher for the full cost of a concealed carry firearm and training from highly qualified experts. Who's better? Who's better? If even 5% of teachers, people that are skilled with arms, we want that, 5% were voluntarily armed and trained to stop active shooters, we would achieve effective deterrence and the problem would cease to exist. And that would be a lot of people. But these are all people that are trained and talented with firearms. Where does he get this stuff? I'll tell you, he just makes it up. 5% nonsense. Tell that to the victims in Louisville, Kentucky, in a bank where there was an armed guard there. You know, a really a good guy, highly trained with a gun. Tell that to the widows and the children and the family members of the people who were shot dead In that massacre, where there was a trained, armed guard on site. But you want to put guns in the schools. Shame on you. If only maybe there wouldn't have been another mass murder shooting this weekend. This time it was at a Sweet 16 party in Dadeville, Alabama. It left four people dead and at least 28 injured. Officials say they're working to uncover details about what led up to the shooting and have yet to release any information on a suspect. Among those killed was the birthday girl's brother. Among the dozens of partygoers with a, quote, wide variety of injuries were some in critical condition as of Sunday afternoon. And after this weekend's violence, there have been more than 160 mass shootings so far in 2023, according to the Gun Violence Archive. In case you're not up on the math, today, April 17th, is day number 106. We're on the losing end of that equation, in case you were wondering. Now on to the Supreme Court, where Justice Clarence Thomas now says he intends to amend his financial disclosure forms to reflect a 2014 real estate deal he made with a Republican mega donor. Wow. 
Nine years ago, he's going to amend his financial disclosure form, something that should have been disclosed in the first place. If you or I had a major omission on our financial forms nine years ago, do you think we'd have the opportunity to just amend it? Hmm. Clarence Thomas said he believed he did not have to disclose the deal with the GOP mega donor Harlan Crow because he lost money in the transaction. Oh, please. Thomas has also come under fire for not reporting luxury travel that he and his wife, Ginny Thomas, took with said mega donor Harlan Crow, including trips on his yacht and private jet. The latest revelations about Thomas's ties with Crow come as critics say Supreme Court justices should be more transparent about their lives off the bench. You think? Plus, critics and some members of Congress have repeatedly asked the court to adopt a formal ethics code, something it has declined to do. Maybe we shouldn't leave it up to them. Just saying. And by the way, this is nothing new. For years, Ginny Thomas has been making money as a right-wing activist in political circles, and her husband, a Supreme Court justice, hasn't felt the need to disclose her income on his financial disclosure forms either. Just saying. Houston, we have a problem. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com and please click on the donate button.